This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week is an old friend. She's been on the show before. She is celebrating a big event coming up. She is Cindy Brubaker. She's the co-founder and big shot behind the Eiffel Gallery. And that's been around for 10 years and the big celebration is coming up. Welcome, Cindy Brubaker. Thanks, Mike. It's so good to be here with you again today. Next week, October 7th and 8th, there will be a big bash celebrating 10 years of the Eiffel. What's going to go on? That's right. We're having a two-day celebration. We'll start on October 7th. That is the first Friday of the month when Gallery Walk happens all around town. We'll have a show opening that evening, the 5 to 8 p.m. time frame. We have two artists who will have their art in the gallery. Corey Scroggins and Joel Washington are artists who have shown with us before, going back many years. So it's great to have them back with their art. Also, in the pop-up gallery, I'm putting together a show with posters from the shows we've had over all of the 10 years. Oh, neat. So that will be in the pop-up gallery. And then the next day, October 8th, Saturday, from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. in the evening, we're going to have a block party. We'll be closing the street in front of the fell. We'll have artist booths, bands playing music, some poets with spoken word, food vendors, and our galleries will be open again. So it'll, it'll be a big party out in the street, and we welcome one and all to come and celebrate with us. Now getting to be more than 10 years ago, you caught sight of this old structure. It was at one time, well, it was originally built as a luxury automobile showroom, but it, it turned out never to be that thing. And over the many years of its existence, it was many different things. And then you were walking by it uh, just about every day, weren't you? I did. I did. I lived down the street just west of it a few blocks, and I would w walk past all the time and admire the building and think, gee, it would be great to be able to get my hands on it and do something with it because I could tell, although I'd never been inside, that it was a nice building. The reason you wanted to get your hands on it is because you are trained and experienced as a historic preservationist. You studied at Columbia University. We'll get into that because there's a story behind that one. But you take these old structures and try to make them new again in a way. Yes, yes. And most of the time you find a new use for a building. Sometimes the building is put back to the use it had originally. But in this case, what was originally a building to sell cars and work on cars, a garage, if you will, has become an arts facility. This Eiffel Gallery is an anchor of what has become a real arts center at uh, right around 4th and Rogers Street. And you were among the first to make that happen. Yes, we're, we're almost a bit of a little arts district now. Yeah. We've been there since 2012. FAR came along in 2018, yeah. was it? Uh, FAR stands for 4th and Rogers. Mm -hmm. So that's the home of Pictora 
photographic uh, art gallery for photography, and they also have an event space. And then to the north of us, Lotus has their headquarters in a former fire station. So that's a historic building that was rehabbed for an arts facility. And FAR also was a historic building that was rehabbed. Did you have anything to do with those other buildings actually rehabbing or restoring them? I did not with FAR, other than admiring from across the street the process as it went along. And in fact, uh, Matt Murphy was involved in that restoration and would come and look at our storefront windows to advise his workers how to recreate some of the trim work around the windows and such, because the buildings are about the same time frame that they were built. And then the Lotus building I was involved with a little bit because I was at the time employed by Springpoint Architects who were involved in that restoration. Uh So you didn't see FAR coming along as any kind of competitor. There wasn't any uh, rivalry or gang fighting going on here. (laughs) Not at all. In fact, we see it as an additive to the experience of both when people come to see the galleries for the first Friday gallery walks. It used to be that we were on the edge of the gallery walk, Mm -hmm. and it felt difficult to get people to come over to our gallery and see our art. You were the last one that way. We were the last one at the edge of the downtown. Of the universe. Of the the arts (laughs) universe, yes. And now... It's very common on a first Friday, especially when we have good weather, for the flow of people to be coming right down 4th Street on their way, stop at the Fell, go to the FAR, and the Convention Center also has a gallery. So we're, we're very much in the thick of it now. You're a walker, so you've walked from, let's say, the courthouse to the Eiffel Gallery. How long does it take? Oh, five minutes? If that? Depends on if you're sauntering, (laughs) looking at the garden that uh, Wonder Lab has. Yeah. So it can be done, and it it is done very often, and that's coming up October, fall, beautiful time of year. Walk around, see all the artists all over the place, and then go to the Eiffel Gallery. So as you say, there will be an exhibit opening on Friday, October 7th, and then the next day, the big bash with the street closed out in front of the Eiffel Gallery. Who's all participating in that? So I have a very good team of folks who've been working to plan the event. I have Angela Caldwell. I I share a studio with her in the building. She's a jewelry maker and metal worker, and she also helps to manage the building. She manages the, the artists and the rentals and that sort of thing. Beth Hamlin, um, whose husband also shares the studio with me. He's also a jewelry maker. She's been helping to manage the building and plan this event. And then Nick Romy, who has art and instruments in the building. He makes and repairs uh, instruments, guitars and whatnot. He's on our team as well and has a connection to WFHB. Kathy Romy. Son yes, of Kathy she, Romy. She's a, there are so many interconnections here in this town, and we're going to be hitting on quite a few of them. That's only the first one, for gosh sake. But when you had this idea, was it realistic? 
I mean, it takes money to do this kind of stuff. Yes. What happened in the beginning, we negotiated a lease where the idea was that we would do some of the work ourselves. I co-founded IFEL LLC with Daniel Evans uh-huh. in order to establish his Bloomington Clay Studio. So a location for, this, for the Clay Studio. And then there would be additional artist studios depending on how much space there would be. And when we found the Fell building, we saw that we could, we could do that. And we negotiated a lease where it started out at a lower amount and gradually increased as we were able to improve the building and bring in more tenants and therefore more income to pay the rent. So of course we did a lot of the work ourselves, but we also had some grants from the city, some historic facade grants. Those helped fund the repair and restoration work we did, especially on the front of the building facing Rogers Street. People probably don't remember how it looked but there'd been some changes in the 1950s or so. The storefront windows had been changed, so we recreated what they looked like from both historic photos that the owners had provided to us, as well as taking clues from the way the windows were on the north side of the building, and rebuilt the large wooden garage doors that are on that side of the building. We also had some help from the landlord, who paid for some of those improvements and did things like putting on a new roof and other improvements. So we had a lot of help. Now, this building was built, oh boy, boy, mathematics, about 90 years ago, a little more than 90 years ago, quite frankly. And you say you uh, lease from a landlord. Has it gone through a bunch of owners or? It has passed down in the family. Aha. Uh-huh. So the building is the Eiffel building, and that I stands for Isaac. Two separate things, Eiffel. Capital letter I, and we don't put a period after the I. And if you look on the west side of the building, there is a limestone tablet up in the parapet on the top wall there that says Eiffel 1930. That stands for Isaac Fell, who built the building in 1930, His son took over and ran the building for many years. Then his daughter, Eleanor Fell, who was a harpist, world-famous harpist, local Mm -hmm. person. Many people knew her. She's unfortunately no longer with us. Her son, Scott Caulfield, is now the owner. And so he, the great-grandson of the man who built the building, is the owner of the building, which is... I, I'm really proud to be able to say that it's still in the Fell family. That's pretty neat. It had been through many incarnations because they built it originally as a luxury car dealer. Uh, what were the brands? Uh, again, Duesenberg. Auburn, was one. Cord, Duesenberg. Auburn, Cord, and Duesenberg. Those were big, monstrous uh, aircraft carrier type uh, automobiles that cost a pretty penny, but in 1930, nobody had a pretty penny. People were not buying these cars. Yeah. And so they never sold any of those cars. Yeah. And instead turned to used cars, car parts, scrapping cars. And then there were also things like beauty parlors, barber shops, and other things. The building is a yellow brick with a nice texture on it. If you go by, check out that texture. 
And it's actually very similar to other buildings that were built for Auburn. There's an Auburn Museum in Auburn, Indiana, and the building looks similar to that. So there's a kind of a pattern that goes there. Beauty parlors, barber shops. And then for the last maybe 30 years or so before we took over, it was a wholesale beauty supply business. So they used the whole building, but it wasn't open to the public. And therefore, as I said earlier, when I would walk by, I was never able to see the inside. But when I finally got inside, I saw the potential. Now, I've been there, I can't tell you how many times I've seen poetry readings, music performances, art exhibits, and so forth. Beautiful stuff. But when you walk into this place, you can actually see the engineering, the architecture, what makes this thing stand up. And it's a big open space. That's right. That's right. So you'll, you may notice we have concrete floors. We have the brick walls, which you see outside and inside. Uh-huh. But when you look up, you see the big steel trusses. And that's one of the unique features, which allows for that open span when you're in there, no columns anywhere. And that was an architectural style that came about in about that time frame, the 1920s, when these buildings were being built as garages for the automobile. And there are are other buildings in town that are very similar to that. If you think about when you go in and look up, the convention center has this design. Part of FAR across the street has the design and the building next to it, the building where Blooming Foods Co-op is. And each of these buildings were built as garages. They have that concrete floor, which is reinforced for an automobile to actually be supported. A lot of times there's a lower level. Our building had at one time a ramp that went to the lower level so they could work on the cars down below. And in fact, there was an auto repair shop down there at one time. Oh my goodness. So I am told. Many things. Yes. Well, you know, when you walk in, you see this sort of rounded roof supported, as you say, by the trusses. And you say to yourself, ooh, I can see why they did that. Maybe there would be a big snowfall in the middle of January bearing a lot of weight uh, of that snow. You have a rounded kind of a roof. It's called a barrel vault. Uh-huh. That shape is rounded, yes. And it's you don't see that from the street because the walls go up above and create what's called a parapet yeah. rising up above the edge of the roof and capped with a limestone cap. And again, that's a typical style that you'll see in those buildings I mentioned. That's the beauty of it. You can actually see the thought that goes into how do we make this thing stand up, not only for tomorrow, but for 90 years from now. And the darn thing is more than 90 years old already. But the Eiffel Gallery is only 10 years old. But that's a heck of an accomplishment, too. It really is. It really is, yes. Did you think when you had this crazy idea to start a a gallery here and studio spaces for artists and the Rainbow Bakery, by the way, did you think you'd last 10 years? I don't know that I thought that far into the future. I, I did have confidence in the idea insofar as when we negotiated the lease, we had a five year lease with two terms to renew, Uh two more five-year terms to renew. So we are now in our 
third five-year term. So we have at least another five years that we've committed (laughs) to. I was familiar enough with the way things work with regards to arts facilities and artists going into an area where there are buildings that maybe aren't as well-developed and sort of leading the way in terms of economic development and improvements. And that is, in fact, what has happened. Pioneers. Because, yes, we... The value of the building has increased, and you've seen those other developments around. It would have seemed possible to me that we could keep it going because there was nothing else like it in town. There was no other opportunity or few opportunities for artists to have this kind of studio space. Did anybody say to you, you're out of your skull? Not directly. (laughs) So here's the type of support we have. I had coffee one day with Maya Michelson, who was the former arts director at the city, and we were talking about this and that, and she was the one who said to me, you need to meet Daniel Evans. He's looking for a place for the Bloomington Clay Studio, and that's how I got connected. So with that kind of support, the city person saying, this needs to happen, that felt really good. And in fact, in the very beginning, we had some verbal sort of commitment from the city about some funding that would help us do a lot of that work. And then at that time, the city had a a budget crisis, and then that money went away because the city had to re-examine what they were doing, and we were a little uh, concerned that we Uh might not be able to do it. But we had this sweat equity sort of plan going, and we, we got it together and managed to do it. There were some lean years when we were concerned about being able to make the rent, but we pulled through. Now, one of the things that keeps the electricity on and all the other utilities is the fact that you rent space to artists for studios. Now, how many artists do you have there? We have over 20 artists in over a dozen studio spaces. So some folks are sharing with others. We have jewelry makers, we have leather workers, we have painters, we have photographers, we have poets. The Ledge Mule Press, uh, Ross Gay, is in one of the spaces. Dave Torneo, sure. Dave Torneo, yeah. They have a letter press. They they aren't doing as much of that as they, they used to, but you can see a lot of letter press posters on their window. Wow. Uh, Nick Romy's um, Art and Instruments, so musical instruments. And then Rainbow Bakery, which has been with us since January of 2013, so they've been around almost as long as we have. So our vegan bakery is right there with us. Now, when you have an exhibit opening uh, on a first Friday, say, uh, are people able to sneak peeks into the artist studios as well? We have always encouraged our artists to be there in their studio studios during the first Fridays yeah. to, to have that atmosphere. Some of them do always. Yeah. Um, and some of them have even been in their studios and selling their work. And, they can do and, that. And been able to make their rent by selling. Uh, the, the jewelry makers, for example, yeah. have been able to do that type of thing. Um, not everyone does that, but some some folks are very much part of, of those first Fridays. Now, you said that you share a studio space in the building with uh, some other uh, people. 
Now, what are you doing in the studio space? Are you do, making any art? I do. Uh, I paint uh, watercolor and acrylics, and I've started to do some work with textiles, as in sewing, piecing together, with the goal of quilting that piece more of an artistic kind of quilting thing, but it's in, an, in beginning experimental stages. Our guest this week, Cindy Brubaker, the co-founder of the Eiffel Gallery. She's an historic preservationist. Uh, she was born in Indiana, raised in Maryland, went to Goshen College, studied art over there, and then uh, got it into her crazy head to go move into New York City, took a job with Columbia University, what happened when you were walking the halls in Columbia University? So I was working in the School of the Arts. I had been an art major and had an interest in architecture, thought I might be an architect. The school I went to didn't have that degree, so I studied art, went to New York, and was working at Columbia, as you say, and saw all of the offerings they had in architectural history, oh. thought I might study that was walking down the hall one day and saw a poster with an image of the Helen Hayes Theater, which had been torn down in, in New York in sadly. the theater district, sadly. Yeah. And it was an advertisement for the Historic Preservation Program. And I looked at that and I thought, that's for me. Right there. One can study how to restore old buildings. But wait, that program was one of a kind at the time. It was the first program of its kind and one of the few at that time. Are yes. there more throughout the country, uh, do you think? There are others. There's a very good one at University of Pennsylvania, and there's one at Ball State. And I actually taught there for a while in no their kidding. program in historic preservation, yes. Wow, the things you've done in your life. For instance, you came back from Columbia University, moved back here to Bloomington, and uh, you took a number of jobs as a historic preservationist. Uh, one of the buildings that you worked on, the Coca-Cola bottling plant. Yes, the Coca-Cola bottling plant was a project for Middleway House, and that was their New Wings project. We restored the Coca-Cola building and built a new compatible building right next to it, and that created a, a sort of campus, courtyard in between the two, to house all of Middleway's programs, except for their transitional housing, which is just across the street, so it was in close proximity to that. And that was a, a very satisfying and successful project to bring that Coca-Cola building back and adapt it for Middleway's purposes. Now back to the Eiffel building. You mentioned the Rainbow Bakery, which is on the west end of the building. That's your anchor. That's your Sears, as it were, of yes. the mall. Yes, right? of our arts mall, yes. I think I've heard that that little space where it is was a gas station. That's right. If you look at the front of the building, there's a, a canopy that comes out the front. Yeah. And that was where the gas station was. The cars could drive right the cars, in there. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we have a historic photo that shows two gentlemen standing out front at attention, and you can see the, the gas pumps, and they're those sort of skinny gas pumps that they had in the early days. 
and you can you can even see in the concrete where where those pumps were. Huh. So yes, that was that was a gas station out front. I believe it was a Sinclair. Sinclair, Dino the Sinclair dinosaur. Yeah. So a week from now, a little more than a week from now, next weekend, October 7th and 8th, will be the big 10-year celebration of the Eiffel Gallery. And any specifics on what's going to go on there, who's going to serve food, and uh, what are, uh, there's going to be music, I should hope? We're going to have several bands. We're going to have a mariachi band. Oh, boy. Yes. We're going to have uh, the Matriarch they, they performed at WFHB's Block Rocker, wow. and I just loved their sound, so we asked them to so come. So you grabbed them. We grabbed them, and they said yes. Wind is Nick Romy's band. Good old Nick. And uh, there's, there's, I believe there's one other band. We have, we'll, we'll, we'll have Rasta Pops if the weather's good, <laughs> and uh, the Orbit Room will come and, and serve their hot dogs and the other food that they serve, and uh, Bivy's uh, tamales. Uh-huh. So we'll have some, some food, we'll have some uh, beer and I believe some cider and other beverages. And of course, the galleries will be open with the shows that will have been open the night before. So lots of, lots of things for folks to do. Now, you were uh, the first person at this intersection, 4th and Rogers, to open up an arts-oriented center here. Then the Far Gallery came in. Then next thing you knew, about four or five years ago, Lotus moved into the firehouse about a half block north of you. Because you're the first, I believe people have called you the mayor of 4th Street. Well, I, I believe that that's come about in terms of oftentimes when I've been out at the building, people walk by, and I know them, they know me, and it's been sort of, you know, hi, how are you? Uh, You're the fixture. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's more about the, the Fourth Street recognition. Um, <laughs> you got a lot of work to do over the next week. Yes, and we, we have a great uh, tradition that we're following in. The first art show we had was in November of 2012. It was called Devotion. It was put on by Jeremy Sweet. Very successful. Lots of people came. And Dale Enox, local limestone artist, came to the show and was so impressed with it, he said to me, Cindy, you have to keep doing this. You have to do this every month. I said, Dale, an art show like this every month? How? Yeah. How am I going to do that? And he said, I'll help you out. I'll do a show for you next month. I'll be your December show. So he did a show for us in the December 1st Friday of his Prince. And from that time on, we've had shows every month. The Eiffel Gallery has been in existence for about 10 years now. We're celebrating it next weekend, October 7th and 8th. It's over at 415 West 4th Street, 812-361-6719. The guest this week, an old friend of the show, the co-founder of the Eiffel Gallery, Cindy Brubaker. Cindy, thanks so much for being on Big Talk. Mike, you're so welcome. Welcome. 